What does it mean to be all in for Jesus? And why does it matter? Those are the questions we're going to explore today, and I actually hope some of our uh, FaithWorks kids will come and help me. Any of our FaithWorks kids who are here today, you want to come up and, and join me on the steps today? I have a treat here for you, if that helps you come up. Um, happy Halloween, by the way. And the truth is, I'm just not above giving snacks to have you all come up here and hang out with me. So who's, uh, who's dressing up for Halloween tonight? Everybody dressing up for Halloween tonight? Yeah, everybody's doing something for Halloween. It'll be fun, won't it? Yeah. Who likes Hershey bars? Who likes uh, Kit Kats? Who likes Swedish fish? Who likes Reese's peanut butter cups? Who is willing to give all the Reese's peanut butter cups to Pastor Brian? Okay. Very nice. So I am so glad to have you all up here today because we are talking about what it means to follow Jesus. And sometimes I got to tell you, look out there and wave at all the adults, say hello adults. Sometimes those adults out there, um, we make things really complicated. And sometimes it's nice just to hear your ideas and thoughts because sometimes it makes it more simple and it helps us to, to think about Jesus and our faith and understand. So I have a, uh, so we're going to look at a scripture today. Um, a scripture verse, and I'm hoping, will you all help read it with me? We're going to look up at the screen up there, and you're going to see it on the screen. Adults, you can join us as well. Let's, uh, let's uh, read this together. Ready? Jesus said to everyone, all who want to come after me must say no to themselves, take up their cross daily, and follow me. So this is a, I have this question for you this morning. Um, who is someone, if they ask you to do something, you'll do it? Like somebody who, when they ask you for help or they ask you to do something for them, you, you maybe don't even think about it, you just do it. Who's somebody that you'll do that for? For me? Okay, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Your parents? Yeah, yeah. Your grandma or, or grandparents? Yeah. Friends? Your grandpa? Excellent. That, those are all awesome answers, right? So we do things. So here's another question for you, though. Like, like, why do, you, why do you trust them? Like, why, why, do you do it, why do you do what they tell you to do? Like, sometimes they ask you to do things that aren't very fun. Like, they might tell you to, like, clean up the dishes, or they might help get, tell you to clean up your room. That's not necessarily fun. So why do you do what they, why they tell you to do? Yeah. Because um, when you do it, you get a Okay, yep, so there's a reward in it sometimes, yeah. They don't punish you if you, if you, uh, if you do it. Yeah, good. When you get mad, yeah, so, okay, all right, yeah, but you'll, you, sometimes we do it because they tell us, yeah? To be helpful, to be helpful yeah. Because you love them. Yeah, those are all great reasons, right? What, what, if it's true, right, there are some things we don't necessarily like to do, but when somebody who loves us asks us to do it, we do it because we want to love them and because we know that they want what's best for us and what's best for everybody, and so sometimes we listen to them and we, we do what they ask. So now let me ask you another question. How many of you are part of a team, like a sports team or a music team or a dance team or, or some kind of praise team? Yeah, some, some kind of team in your life. Or, okay, how many of you are a fan of a team? Like you're a fan of Notre Dame or, or Michigan or the Cubs? I got to put my hand down that one. Um, or uh, uh, so, yeah, some of you are fans of teams. So if you want your team, if you want your team, you're really excited about it and you want them to do good, what are some things that you do for your team? 
Yeah, you want to buy their, like, their, buy shirts and, like, buy their logo gear, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, something, you might donate things for your team. Mm-hmm. Get, give money to the team, yeah. You cheer for the team, right? You give your energy and your excitement and your passion. Yeah, and we, you, you practice, like if you're part of a team, maybe you're part of practicing. One more. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so you can, you can help your team out. All these things that we do when we're on a team, you do your best, you try your hardest, you, you invest in the team, you, you, cheer for the, you cheer for the team, right? And if we really want what's best for the team, sometimes we're even willing to make some sacrifices. Like, instead of doing something I want to do, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put the time into practice for the team, or, or I'm going I'm to put my, I'm going to do this for the team because I know it's what's best for the team. Right? So this might help us with our Bible verse today. Jesus says, right, he says, take up your cross and follow me. And one of the ways we might think about that is that Jesus is saying, like, come be a part of my team. And, uh, and to be a part of Jesus' team, right, he's saying, come make my team the most important team in your life. And so the way that we can do that, right, we trust Jesus because we know Jesus wants what's best for us, wants what's best for everybody. And then, so we give Jesus our time and our energy, and, and, and we practice things that Jesus tells us to practice, all because, all because Jesus has asks us and then invites us to think that there's like a reward in it. And the reward is this joy and this love and this feeling of goodness in, the, in our lives. So if you, if you trust Jesus and want to be part of Jesus's team, let me invite you to read what's, what we're going to have up, ne- up on the screen next. Would you all say this with me? And adults, you can join in as well. Are you ready? I want to be all in for Jesus. Let's say that one more time. Can we do that one more time? I want to be all in for Jesus. Awesome. Well, thank you all for helping me. We're going to talk a little bit more today about what it means to be part of Jesus' team, and we're going to come back to some of the things you said today. I'm going to invite you to go back to your seats now, and if you want to take a fruit snack or a Hershey bar as you go, you can do that. Please ask your parents if it's okay to eat it right now. It's okay with me, but you need to make sure it's okay with them. This is because, parents, I know they will not get enough sugar already today. I'm sorry there aren't enough for everybody. (laughs) Let's pray. Lord, just open our hearts and our minds to your word for us this day. God, move us and and shake us, and, and where needed, Lord, remind us who we are as your children. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All in for Jesus. So let me just ask you to think about that. Like, what does that mean for you? What, is it, what does it look like to be all in for Jesus? This, uh, this month, we've been exploring conversations with skeptics, those who have questions or, or doubts. We've been listening to what they say, and, and then instead of trying to, like, defend or, or respond right away, We've really just been trying to take the time to listen and, and let what we hear drive us into the Bible, to, 
to learn more, to, to search, all with this question, who are we? Right? If, if what we hear from the skeptics is, is not true of us, let's go to the Bible and say, okay, so, so who is God calling us to be? What does Jesus say? What is, what is Paul saying in the New Testament? Who are we as the church? And, uh, and this is what we found together. Um, a few core values from from Jesus that we have discovered over the course of this month. And for those that maybe haven't been here all month or just to, just to pull it all together, let's just, I just want to run through these core values that we found are at the heart of who we are as the church. Number one, we are Christ-centered. Why? Well, because, because we know that our lives are a mess sometimes and we're broken sometimes and we're, we know that we're a people, we need Jesus to enter into the messes of our lives. And then we love others because we know that they need Jesus too. And all that comes from being centered, centering our lives in Jesus. In week two, we found in scripture that we are one body. That we as followers of Jesus are one body, God's family, the church. And, and within that, that relationships, they matter to us. We empower each other. We're, we're accountable to each other. We have fun together. We, we love each other all as, as God's family. And then in week three, we discover that we are servants. Jesus points again and again, and Paul picks this up in his letters and says, and says we, are, we are servants. If something needs doing it, we do it. We bring 100% because we know that we are Christ's hands and feet in the world. And then last week, we discovered this value that, that we are real, right? We're called to be real before God, not to prop ourselves up, but just to be humble and vulnerable and honest and out of that honesty to live with, with integrity. We invite others to know the love of Jesus that we've experienced, right? Because, because we've experienced it in our own imperfection and therefore we can accept and love people in their imperfections as Jesus loves us. So today, we're going to add one more value, one more core value, and, and with it, an invitation. When, uh, when I hear from young skeptics, one of the questions they most often ask is, like, what difference does being part of a church even make? Let me ask you to think about that question for a moment today. If, if you're part of our Firehouse Youth Ministries, like, like what difference does being part of Firehouse make in, in your life? If you're part of our FaithWorks ministries, what, what difference does being in and a part of FaithWorks make for, for you? Adults, what, what difference does it, does it make to be a part of a worshiping community, part of a circle, a part of, a part of Clay Church? One of the questions the skeptics will follow with is, I, I see people in, in the church and I don't see that it makes any difference that, that their followers of Jesus are part of the church. A young woman a number of years ago, I was teaching a class, um, a college class, and a young woman in that class, she was, she was really searching, like you could feel it, and she knew I was a pastor, and so she, she gently stepped into this, into this question, but she said that she had been reading the Bible, and, and she found in the Bible that Jesus, when he invites people to follow him, Right? It's this radical invitation to leave everything and follow. 
And she, she read these teachings of Jesus that say, you know what, when somebody asks you for something, take the very shirt off of your back, the coat and shirt, and give it to them. And she said there, there's this, you know, the example of the widow, and, and, and Jesus pointing to the example of somebody willing to come and give everything to the people of God. She said she read all of these examples, and then she got into the, into the book of Acts, and she found those passages where, where people came together, the church came together, and they shared everything that they had in common so that nobody went without. She said, I've read all those passages, and I just don't see that in the church today. And then she went on to say this. She's like, I just see the church as this place of leftovers, this people of leftovers. And one of the other, one of the other students was like, what do you mean by that? Like, what, what do you mean by leftovers? And she said, well, when my church, when I was growing up, did food drives, everybody went into their pantries, and they pulled the cans of stuff that they didn't want and that they hadn't eaten, and they put them in bags, and they delivered them to the food pantry, the leftovers. She's like, and when people, when we, people do food dr- or clothing drives, they go through their closets and they pick up the things that aren't in style anymore, the things that they're not going to wear anymore, and they give them, give them to other people. It's the leftovers. And she said, and, and I, I've watched people as they, as they come to church um, or, or don't come to church. And he's like, they, they come to church when they haven't been too busy doing all kinds of other things during the week and have energy left. It's like the church gets their leftover time. And then she said, and, and I think about how, how I've watched people as I've been growing up as a youth in the church give to the church, and they, you know, they, they put money in their retirement accounts, and they spend money on their children for needs and wants, and they, and they spend money on themselves, and they put money away from vacation, and they put money into vacation home. They do all these other things, and then they give what's left over to the church. She's like, I just see it as, as leftovers, and, and that doesn't seem to be what Jesus says. Today, we might reword her question this way. It's what, what she was really asking is like, where in the church do I find, where do I find people who are all in for Jesus? Where people aren't giving their leftovers, but they're giving all of themselves to Jesus. Paul writes this letter to the Corinthians that we're going to take a brief look at today. We're gonna, if you want to open your Bibles, it's 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And there's this passage in chapter 6, verses 1 through 13, that uh, we're going to read it in a moment, and it feels a little bit like Paul is defending his, his ministry. Right? It, it sounds like he's listened to the skeptics, and, and now he wants to tell them, you know, that's not why I do this, this is not who I am. And, and there's probably an element of that in there. But if we know the context, I think there's something else to find in 2 Corinthians. Paul's writing to a church that's, that's trying to find its identity. It's trying to figure out who, who it is. And Paul has invited these people to step in to the love of Christ and to share it. And so he's writing to them. And he's, he's just said to them that if you go all in for Jesus, like Jesus is going to totally transform your life. He's going to make everything new. That's what it says in chapter 5. You're going to be a new creation. You're going to see this incredible transformation. And then he goes on in chapter 6 to say this. He says, as God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, and by he, he means Isaiah. He's going to quote Isaiah. In the time of my favor, I heard you. And in the day of, my, in the day of salvation, I helped you. And now back in Paul's voice, he says, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. 
We put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited. Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance and troubles, hardships and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights and hunger, in purity, understanding, patience and kindness, in the Holy Spirit and in sincere love, in truthful speech and in the power of God, with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left, through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as imposters, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing and yet possessing everything. And then Paul says, we have spoken freely to you, Corinthians, and opened our hearts wide to you. We are not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. As a fair exchange, I speak as to my children, open wide your hearts also. Paul is inviting these people who've been introduced to Jesus' love, go all in. Open wide your hearts and go all in. And Paul's going to tell them, Paul's like, I know it isn't easy. Like, I get that it isn't easy. I've experienced all this. I know. I know the hardships. I know the persecution. I know the, the struggles. But if you're all in for Jesus, Paul says to the early church, if, if you'll go all in for Jesus, right? You're going to experience something you couldn't have imagined. You're going to be part of something that right now you can't even imagine. And the key to everything Paul is telling them, it's in the first couple of verses. It's right in the first couple of verses where he says, don't let the grace of God be in vain. Paul's saying, like, don't hear this. Don't hear this invitation and then opt out. Because this is the greatest invitation of your life. If you, if you opt out, you're going to miss out on the best part. If you go all in with Jesus, that's how you're going to experience the very fullness of God's grace. It's going to how you experience the very best of what God is doing and what God is offering in this world. You just need to go all in. Paul's saying if, if you go all in with Jesus, and this echoes Jesus' own teachings, if you go all in with Jesus... You have nothing to lose and everything to gain. Let me say that again. If you go all in with Jesus, if you, give, if you just give everything, all of your life to Jesus, then you have nothing to lose and everything to gain. If we don't go all in, if you don't go all in, if we cling to everything that we have, then, then we have it all to lose and, and nothing to to gain from holding on. I invite us to think about it this way. Without Jesus in our lives, like when the pain of the world comes, when the struggles happen, and, and the pain does come and the struggles do happen, without Jesus in our lives, we find ourselves looking back at that time that was good in our life and thinking that was it. That was the best it's ever going to be. That's kind of sad, right, to think that that's the best that it's ever going to be and it's never going to be that it's never going to be that again. But when we have Jesus in our lives, when we're all in for Jesus, right, then when the pain and struggles come, when we, 
when we lose a job or when finances become tight or when we suffer an illness or even when we experience the death of a loved one, we know, we know because we've surrendered it all to Jesus already that, that the best still lies ahead. Right? We know that, that God is still at work. We don't have to be defined by that job loss or that illness or that struggle. None of that has to define us because, because God is still at work to the glory of salvation in, in our future. And when we're all in for Jesus' team, that means we can, we can live fearlessly. We can serve the world fearlessly. We don't have to worry about those details that tend to bog us down. And instead, we can, we can just revel in God's love and know that God's at work. And here's the best part. Uh, FaithWorks kiddos who shared a little bit, uh, let me invite you to, to listen to this part because this is, this is kind of the groundwork you helped lay, right? You talked about being on teams, right? And, and we have a lot of fun on teams. Some of us are on sports teams or we root for sports teams. And when you do, you make investments, right? And you, you buy tickets and, and you buy the, the logo gear and you cheer for your team and it's all great. And, and when your team wins, you get this you know, feeling of euphoria and fun in those wins. When your team loses, it's not quite so fun. And then over time, that happiness and even if your team's good for a span, it doesn't last forever, and it, it fades away. And, and when we go all in for, for activi other activities in our lives and crafts or, or drama or music, right, and we create beautiful music and, and, and have fun in the moment, but the truth is that too fades away. But when you're all in for Jesus' team, people end up with food on their table who would otherwise be hungry, and the world becomes a little bit of a kinder and a little bit of a better place. And when you go all in for Jesus's team, people are helped to move out of homelessness and into homes, and the world around us becomes a little bit better and a little bit more loving place. And when you're all in for Jesus' team, kids and, and youth come to know Jesus as their forever friend, and they share that love with other kids and others' youth, and the team grows, and the world becomes a little more like God's kingdom with a little more love and a little more joy and a little more hope. When we're all in for Jesus' team, when you look at the church, when it's been all, all in over history, hospitals spring up in communities and education systems get better and clean water wells are dug in Africa and the world begins to look better because the church is all in for Jesus. This is what happens when we go all in for Jesus' team. So who are we? That's the question we've been asking all month. Let me invite us just to, to read this answer together. Who are we? We are all in. We are fearless. We dream big, take risks, and are not afraid to fail in being the church for the world. Are you ready to be all in for Jesus? What, is, what does that look like for you? I once heard a message that said that uh, if, if you're wondering what's holding you back from being all in for Jesus, you should pay attention to the things that make you queasy or uncomfortable. 
In other words, if you, if you read something in the Bible and it, it kind of strikes a chord and it makes you a little queasy or uncomfortable, that may be something that is holding you back from being all in. If you hear a message in a sermon and, and it begins to make you uncomfortable, that may be what's keeping you from going all in. And I share this really to, to emphasize something else. Because this talks a little bit about, right, the sense that when you, when you get to feel a little guilty, that may be what's holding you back from being all in. But notice that the invitation of Jesus to be all in and follow, and the invitation of Paul in the name of Jesus, it isn't to induce guilt. They're not trying to make people feel guilty. They're inviting people to be all in because they want what's best for people. It goes back to what we talked about with the kids, right? We do things because, because we trust the one who is inviting us to do these things because they've told us that this is what's going to be best for you and for everyone. And the, G, the invitation from Jesus to be all in, it's always on the table. Jesus doesn't say, yeah, follow me, and, and we get all excited, and we take two steps in, and then we're like, this is hard, and we back out. Jesus doesn't say, okay, you're, you're doomed, forget it. Jesus lures us in again and offers the invitation again and again to be all, to be all in. He doesn't promise that it'll be easy. He promises to be with us. He doesn't promise that once we say yes to being all in, everything just magically works out. He promises that, that his love will be at work in and, and through it. Ultimately, that we'll get to see God's kingdom. So, our question today, for each one of us, what, what does it look like for you to be all in for Jesus? Each week at Clay Church, we have a Faith Fit Challenge, and today, for your Faith Fit Challenge, I'm going to invite you to take home an All In for Jesus commitment card. And uh, this card is an invitation for, for all of us um, to just pray about this question. What does it mean for me, for my family, to be all in for Jesus? On November 21st, we're going to invite everybody to, to bring these cards back, and we'll have a time in worship where we bring those cards forward. Now, don't worry if you forget your card on November 21st and you're halfway here. Um, we'll have cards here this, that day. Um, and there's also a way that you can do it online. But the reason we're, we're sending them home now is so that we have an opportunity as, as a community to, to pray about it and to talk about it. And you can talk about it with your family. And my hope is that circles will have conversations about what it means to be all in. And, and we can make decisions about, about what it means for each one of us to be all in. On, a, on one side of the card, you'll uh, see a picture on the screen. You'll see that there's an opportunity to think about what does it mean to be all in in our lives of prayer and our life of service. Now, you'll notice this. Sometimes, you know, a, a card will have multiple choice, and you, you pick one of them. Uh, this is not a multiple choice test. Uh, this is not a test in any way. It's just an opportunity to pray and think, okay, Jesus, I want to be all in for you, and I want to be all in in my prayer life and my service life, and to say, what is that going to look like for you? Maybe it's, maybe it's praying 15 minutes a day, committing to 15 minutes a day in 2022. Maybe it's three times a day. Maybe it's just praying a couple times, seriously praying a couple times a week, because that's a next step for you in being all in. What commitment are you willing to make, and what does that look like for all in in your life? The same thing for service. Maybe it's, you know, our family is going to commit to a day a month to serve the community together, or, or maybe it's, um, I want to make sure that I'm serving in some kind of ministry to the community once a week. Define what that looks like for, for you. On the other side of the card, 
You'll find an opportunity to share what All In looks like in your generosity and, and your giving. As, uh, as Scott shared, uh, many, like many churches, we've seen a, a dip in our giving over the last 12 to 18 months. But at the same time, we have over 330 families that have given gifts to Clay Church this year. And so as we thought about what does it mean, what does it look like to be all in, we realized that that, that gap that we're facing, if a third of that 330 families just steps up $50 a month, $100 a month, $200 a month, that we'd cover that gap in 2022. And, and whatever our commitments are in 2022, part of the, the reason that we're inviting you to bring the cards back and commit is to be accountable to each other in this conversation and who we are as the church. But a part of it is so that our finance team can, can see those commitments and, and make some decisions so we are good stewards of, of your resources and, and commitments. Cheryl and I had a, a conversation about what All In meant to us, and, uh, and we've got more to talk about in prayer and, and service. But as we thought about All In, in our generosity, in our, our giving, um, we decided together that that our all-in is increasing our financial gift to the congregation. And so we've, uh, we've committed to give 5% above our 10% tithe that we give every year from our income, uh, to give another gift of 5% on top of that. And, uh, and I invited some other families to have that conversation up front, and so we already have $40,000 committed. Um, and that money will match anybody who gives uh, uh, an increase of $100 a month. So it could be coming in as a giver at $100 a month or increasing your gifts year over year by $100 a month. Any, any of those, all of those increases will be matched by this, by this fund. Um, as Cheryl and I talked about it, she will be happy to tell you, I'm sure, um, I kept confusing her in what that meant and how that worked. So I just... I put it in really simple terms, and I think, uh, I think this helped, and so I'll share with you. Essentially, what that means is if you increase giving $100 a month in 2022, every $100 you give will be matched by another $100 toward our ministries of Clay Church. And that leads me to two quick last notes. One, um, we know that some of you like to give weekly and some monthly and some annually, and you do that in all kinds of, of different ways, and all those ways are, are fantastic. Some just give one-time annual gifts. Um, we are, I'm just going to own up front, because we, the match is for monthly increases, we are inviting people to, uh, uh, to make a monthly commitment for 2022. So yes, we're asking you to do a little bit of math. Um, but if you don't want to do the math, you can put on there what your commitment actually is, and and Carla will do the math for you, not me. Carla will do the math for you. And, uh, and the second thing to share is for those that are, are visitors today, this invitation, we're thrilled that you are here, so excited to have you here today. Um, this invitation is for everyone to think about what it means to be all in for Jesus. At the same time, I don't want you to feel that there's any, uh, any pressure to, to bring back a card or feel obligated to the card. It's just an opportunity for all of us to think about what is... What's this look like in our lives? So let me invite everybody to stand. And I, I want you to stand and I want you to hear this promise. Right? Jesus promises for every one of us that is all in. 
for all of us that are willing to give our everything for Jesus. God promises that we will experience the deepest joy, the greatest sense of, of fulfillment, a power in our lives that can overcome anything, any challenge, any struggle. Jesus says, those of you who give your life for me will know my saving grace. Any of you who lose your life for me, who give it all up for me, will experience all of my goodness. So let me invite you just to put your hands out in front of you. And know that as Jesus talks about what it means to follow him in Luke's gospel. Interspersed with that story are all these other stories and the disciples who are following, they get to, they get to experience the feeding of the 5,000 and they get to see people healed and they get to see Jesus transfigured. And so with your hands out right now, I just want you to hear this invitation from Jesus to accept his love in your life. And with your hands out to offer yourself to go all in. And this is what Jesus promises, that if we go all in together, we will see the kingdom come. We will see God's love spread in and through us. We will see God transform lives, ours and others. Are we all in for Jesus? Are we ready to see what God can do? I want to be all in for Jesus. May Jesus send us to be messengers of that love to the world.